0: man, and Vega work he sets off.
1: Davis Touchdown, Michigan State. From WDBM East Lansing, you are listening to Spartan Red Zone, the student voice of Michigan State football. This is the source for the best analysis, updates, and much more for Spartan football. SRC,
2: back in action, Ryan Collins,
1: Eric Bach, Nathan Stearns. It feels good to be back, boys. It does, especially when you have something good to talk about. Because for the last forty-three days, it's been doom and gloom. It's all it's been. It's been nothing good to talk about. Forty-three days is light. It's been. It's
2: been about five months of
0: doom and gloom. Six so, months. <laughs> it's been over six months since the NCAA tournament got canceled.
2: But I, I, I wouldn't say like this is just like this is exciting news. It's exciting oh, yeah. news. The be- <laughs> like college football has still been going on the last couple of weeks. And, and, but we haven't really been, I haven't really felt it because that's what Big Ten country, I, I, I want to focus on the Spartans, the Wolverines, the Buckeyes, the go I want to focus on those teams. And when I don't have preparation or preseason or just like seeing like the stuff out of camp, like this Joe Milton guys that to win the Heisman, I can't get the juices flowing for football and especially college football. And now we got a little bit of that today. So it feels good to be back. It
1: feels you know, good because we turns. finally have the player. I mean, at least for me, if I'm a player, I finally feel safe. I do. The protocols that the Big Ten rolled out today were comprehensive. They were thorough. I mean, between the cardiograms, between the fact that if you get sick at all, they're quarantining you for 21 days. The CDC recommendation is between 10 and 14 days. So they're going above and beyond. And then you have that sort of 5% rule where if 5% or more of your players test positive, then you're out for a week. I mean, they've done everything that they feasibly can to really reenact and really bring out the best testing protocols in the country. They didn't rush the decision like the ACC, SEC, and big 12 did. They spent the, and yes, it was a painful process for everybody involved. You had Reports that were saying, oh, it's going to be ready on Saturday. Oh, they're going to be voting on Sunday. Oh, this subcommittee, that subcommittee. Sir Shipwreck wanted to say that it was on October You didn't like Sir Yacht? Sir Yacht needs to be banned. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) Sir Yacht. But the problem is people think he's real. People legitimately think that this guy who admits he's not a journalist, has some sort of magical insider information that Pete Thamel and Nicole Auerbach and all of these real journalists have. And then well, you have damn sh- Who's better, Dan
2: Patrick or Suryat? Because they both were pretty oh, in after it. Honestly, I
0: <laughs> they were just both so so wrong about everything. Like, today we're on the Zoom press conference with Bill Beekman and somebody asked him, "Is it was there ever a conversation about uh, the league going ahead and then Michigan State and Michigan not doing it and Bill the I wish that I could have taken a picture of the face Bill Beekman made when when that guy asked him the question because it was a look of like ignorance and disgust <laughs> like he was just like and then Bill Beekman was like you know that's just that was bizarre why I don't know where that came from but that was never even on the table so you know Dan Patrick's a one of the greats of, of sports journalism. He's fantastic. And by God, was he just dead wrong about everything. <laughs> it's like, so funny. It's like, and well, Sir sir yacht, or, sir yacht, Sir Yacht, Yacht, yacht. What, what am I saying? Um, the Stearns right wrote in our document for the show, needs to be fired into the sun. I agree. <laughs> I agree. Fire him into the sun, shot at sunrise. Whatever you whatever he's saying you want to say about him and now he's going to claim because it because the big 10 is back you know he's going to claim Got it that, right he was the first that, oh to i it. was right the he was, was the first said, to it. It. i
2: was right i was first and
0: even he was though he's so... been saying that it's a done deal <laughs> and they voted on it yesterday he's been saying for a month that it's oh it's a done deal it's a done deal no come on man
1: <laughs> people associate him with the journalism community he makes us look bad like when you're actually trying to build a credible brand, people say, oh, well, this guy." He made a up brand for himself, he made, he made a brand for himself. He made a brand for himself by being. <laughs> I don't like using this term often, but if you're yeah. going to be a human example, example of what fake news is, this is what this guy is. You don't have sources. <laughs> you should be banned or muted for spreading disinformation. You know you're lying. You know that you have no inside sources, and you know that you're getting people's hopes up for nothing. So just stop. Just I
2: kind of like Sir Yacht Stearns.
0: <laughs> I know you do. I'm kidding. I know. I'm Collins, kidding.
2: It's just funny. Anybody, His name's Sir Yacht. That's actually pretty funny. It's a funny they, name.
0: But, but, Collins, if there's anybody in our sports department that would be all about him, it's you. Yeah. He, he breathes
2: optimism, so <laughs> yeah. is
0: what it is. Yeah. but
2: uh, bit Ten's back. I mean, I, like you said, Sterns, it's been a long 43 days. It, it, the thing about it is, I we've kind of talked about this on the Green and White report the last couple weeks. It was kind of a weird thing when the big 10 first canceled. And I don't know if you guys felt the same way, but you kind of felt like everyone and collectively was like, it's unsafe and it's unfair to take advantage of these student-athletes. They should cancel the season. And then immediately once they did that, it just turned like 90%. And it was basically like the athletes all want to play, and you're taking it from the – know know what I mean? It was a weird like 180 quickly in a week. And then ever since then, it kind of felt like it was on a collision course for them to eventually get back to playing football as soon as possible. I honestly thought uh, the Thanksgiving – was probably the closest they were going to get to, but yeah, I, I mean, like Stern said earlier, we were going to get into the testing protocols, but you already really covered it. If you're going to have everyday testing and you're confident that contract tracing, like this type of testing, it like kind of takes out the whole like he was exposed to him because that, that's what the doctors are saying, right? Like these tests will be immediate and, and you don't necessarily need to quarantine people for 14 days if they were exposed, because if they test negative or test positive, they'll just know. Right.
1: Well, that was part of it. And I mean, you even had uh, Barry Alvarez, who was the, who is the Wisconsin oh, AD God. saying that they could eat breakfast. These players could eat breakfast. And by the time their meal's done, they know. So the biggest worry for the big 10 was that if you have a player that you suspect has COVID, it might take a week or two before you get the test back. So they could be, un- they could unknowingly be spreading the virus this entire time. And that In was the, the big biggest pain for this. Yes, they're, they're footing the bill. And this is the biggest reason why they announced that they are returning because you have this rapid program testing and because the turnaround is so much quicker. And I think another uh, big part of it is that a lot of this myocarditis sort of worry, uh, the Ohio State co-author of that study who said that th- uh, 15% of Athletes had it. He actually went out and said, "No, this is a good thing. Now we know what this can do." They're creating a cardiac registry so that they can study the link between COVID nineteen and myocarditis. You have a chief infection officer who's going to be making sure that each of the each of the universities, each of the fourteen, is hiring someone. So they will. Their position will be exclusively to make sure that universities are abiding by this protocol and to make sure that if someone does test positive, they will be able to be quarantined and sequestered quickly. But I agree with you, Collins. The biggest problem with everything, I don't even think it was the decision to cancel. It was the lack of transparency. It was the fact that there was conflicting reports of if there was a vote. You had Rebecca Blank the other day who's in front of some Senate committees getting grilled by Tim Kaine? She's the
0: president of Wisconsin, right? Just to, just to clarify for the listeners.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I had not Stearns. You had me lost there. I was like, who is that lady? Yeah. sorry.
1: And and she says, Yup. Normally we don't, we just reach a consensus. A lot of times we don't even vote in the big 10. So you had reports of it was 11 to three with Ohio state, Iowa, Nebraska being the only three that didn't, or that did want to play, excuse me. But athletic directors weren't notified, coaches weren't asked, nobody got a say other than the presidents and chancellors. And it's a lot harder to make those kind of decisions when you're dealing with the student athletes every day. Like, if the head coach, I mean, imagine that all of this is like a Ford factory. Okay, the head coach is the foreman, the players are the assembly line workers, and then the president and chancellor is running the company. It's a lot easier to make decisions about people's livelihoods when you don't form personal relationships with them, when you don't know who they are, and when you're not going to have to see the effect that that decision has. And yes, I'm sure that they got a lot of medical knowledge, but what really irked me was the fact that the players, the coaches, the 80s weren't even asked. They didn't get a say. Kevin Warren was the one who was reported to be representing all 14 ADs, and I can guarantee you that he did not get all of the sentiment right. You can't have one man representing 14 different vast opinions. You should have had the ADs. They didn't even get a say, and they're the ones who are impacted by the most. Here's my thing about, because
0: obviously we know the results of the First vote now, several weeks after it actually took place. And like you said, Stearns, those three schools, Ohio State, Nebraska, and Iowa, were the three that voted yes the first time. But to me, Michigan State's president, Samuel Stanley, is the most telling vote in this whole turnaround. Because, I mean, look at his background. He's a medical doctor with a, with a specialty in infectious diseases. So he's first probably... Thing.
2: How do you become a president if you're a doctor? <laughs> like that? Like,
0: how well, do you become an was,
2: administrator? Well,
0: he was, you know, like a researcher that got promoted. You know, it is I don't know. Is, Sorry I cut you off, but I just but, I've been wondering that the last like, year and a half. <laughs> but but he's, he's attending a university that's yeah. a president, my a medical doctor doesn't know why. <laughs> glad we got glad we cleared that up. Thank um, you. So we uh so Stanley to me is the biggest change here because um he i mean he initially obviously voted no and he was on this committee that approved the big plan that was presented to the entire group of presidents because obviously not all 14 presidents and chancellors are medical doctors you know i mean there are others that have medical backgrounds uh morton shapiro the president of northwestern is one of those people but um the fact that Stanley came out today, even though voting yes, the fact that he came out and voiced his support for the protocols that they have in place, tells me that there's, there's a big change. Because Stanley, as a guy who's an infectious disease expert and as the president of a university that's currently having a pretty bad off-campus breakout of COVID, if he, if he was not confident in the Big Ten's protocols, I just – I don't think he would have voted yes. So that, to me, Stanley's vote, to me, tells me that at least the medical science is there. Whether or not it works, whether or not it's going to work, whether or not there's going to be outbreaks, whether or not the season's even going to get finished or started is remains to be to be seen. But the fact that Stanley's – it got Stanley's seal of approval not once but twice um, – tells me that they did everything they could from a medical perspective to, to get this thing. Right.
2: Uh, and I, I think that's a great point, Eric. Like, like you said, he's the only one who's like, this is his specialty. And like, and I think Northwestern is another school who just prides themselves on high, like high academic, like learning, being a smart school. And I, I don't think these type of schools put their like neck on the line. If they don't really believe they can keep these athletes safe. And I think there's obviously the testing, everyday testing is the reason Bid Ten's coming back. The problem, and I know we can get into this, and this isn't a doc how the Bid 10 handled it. You already talked about there was no oh. transparency on the first time they decided to cancel the season. But it, like you said, lack of transparency, there was no like communication. I don't know what was None. going on. Like you could it, talk about. Like, Harbaugh, when they went on that little protest to play football in Ann Arbor, Harbaugh didn't even talk to his president. I don't even know how that – he's got to be the highest, like, earning employee – employee, excuse me. I'm getting back into the swing of things. I'm a little rusty with the SRC, job
0: <laughs> Oh, dude. I'm, yeah, today, hey. Today, I noticed – I was, like, working all day today on various things yeah. for Impact. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm working. Like, it was great, but it was like I haven't really truly worked in six months. And I was like, man, this is something, man. I don't know know. how I I, I, I'm I'm
2: getting too excited (sighs) talking about college football that I'm just speaking too fast. But, like, Harbaugh said he texted the president, highest earning probably employee in the university, and he's straight up not getting a response. Like, I I understand that it's not up to the head coaches – But, like, there's got to be some sort of dialogue. It it was just really weird and odd. And I didn't like Nebraska when they first canceled it coming out and acting all high and mighty, like, we're going to go out and play. We're Nebraska. Nebraska, you stink at football. You're not good at football anymore. Like, I'm sorry. Tom Osborne's not there with your 350-pound offensive lineman anymore. You can relax. The Big Ten's doing more good then for you, then you're doing for the big 10. So like relax on that. Like, I, I understand you're upset. You're not playing. You didn't have to go out that way. That pissed me off. I think that, that was in bad taste. And then I think Ohio state is the reason they're playing the bit. They're playing this year. I, I, I want that on the record because if they didn't have a team that could possibly win a national title, I could see them sitting out this season and, and, for a fan base like Ohio State and for a program in an athletic department and a head coach like Ryan Day, who holds the water that he does in the college football community, he basically put a gun to Kevin Warren's head like three days ago, tweeting out all that stuff, how like oh, we're ready to play, this is unfair, and so like there there was no consensus ever in this thing. They were talking about how when they came to the decision. To bring the season back, how it just was a mark of great teamwork. There was no teamwork along this road, so I you can save that for me. Like I think they kind of figured it figured it out and dialed it in the last two weeks. But the majority since they've canceled the season has been a train wreck for Kevin Warren, a guy who's in his first year as a commissioner.
0: Yeah, this, how about how about that? I mean, like yeah, that's brutal. The, the <laughs> smartest, you know, who looks like the smartest person in the history of college athletics is Jim Delaney. And I know that you're shaking your head at me, Colin, but (laughs) would the Big Ten have had – I mean, obviously, nobody can control the pandemic, right? no. But you can control how your organization reacts and adapts to the pandemic. And I guarantee you that we would not be having this conversation if Jim Delaney was still in power at the Big Ten.
2: Yes. I think Delaney's a little bit more money-hungry. (laughs) <laughs> and oh Kevin, well that's Kevin part Warren. of it but
0: he's also is better with the media and better yeah. with all of the things like Jim Delaney is the reason why college athletics are such a valuable television commodity like mm-hmm. he was the first one to negotiate the big deal with ESPN and then when that deal went up he negotiated and made everyone more money because he brought Fox into the picture yep so he you can say what you want about Jim Delaney's tenure, but, man, it's looking pretty good right now, doesn't it?
2: I mean, you're completely right. He revolutionized college sports TV with the Big Ten Network. And I still think the Big Ten owes Appalachian State trillions of dollars because <laughs> if you if you were young enough, I mean, if you're old enough to remember when it came about, the Big Ten Network, not everybody had it. And then the Michigan-Appalachian no. State game had it. And every 50-year-old dad in the Midwest needed to get that networked because they're like, I can't can't do this. I need to watch these games. So I I think they are owed a lot of credit too. That's your team, right, Stearns?
1: Yes, go Mountaineers, baby. Boone, North Carolina. (laughs) I will never forget that. North Carolina was on fire. I don't know about that. They were on fire? (laughs) Absolutely thrilled. I mean, Boone is a little – Hillbilly Village, in the mountains, north with the northern corner, almost out by Virginia. I mean, it's secluded. And it was in the Charlotte Observer. It was everywhere. I mean, it was absolutely – but you guys raise a good point with Delaney. And I I was – Eric stole my thunder right there. But the one thing with Delaney, okay, there would be no dissension. You're either going to do it one way or another. And I'll tell you something else. If Ryan Day or – Anybody, Jim Harbaugh, any powerful coach was speaking like how they did to Warren to Delaney. Oh, it University never, press, exactly. That you would never No, you would get Mark Schlissel would have gotten a call from Delaney in the middle of the night saying, You don't want me to take care of this problem because when I take care of this problem, things aren't going to be great. And Jimmy, You're boy, like
2: Delaney's in the mafia or something. Well, <laughs> it's it's very, a mob boss or something
1: his tenure was predicated on unity. Okay. There was no dissension. And if there was dissension and there was a bit of disorganization, it was kept behind closed doors. You didn't have anonymous leaking sources and you didn't have a media circus. And if a big decision had to be made, like when Maryland and Rutgers got accepted to the big 10 from the ACC and the big East, everything was unified. Okay. We knew exactly what was going on. You never once questioned the process. And there was a greater degree of transparency. There was just, he was a bit more, I'd probably say a bit more of an egotist and a bit more of a cranky old man, to be honest with you. But sometimes that's a good thing because sometimes you need to be a little bit more angry and you just have to be a little bit more, got to get sideways with people. Sometimes to get everybody on the same page. And the problem is when you try to be everybody's friend, I just think Warren doesn't want to put his foot down. I don't think, yes, you walk into an impossible spot. You can't control the pandemic, but as Eric said, you can control how you respond to it. You have athletic directors who have been on this job for 25 years and you didn't even ask them what they should have done. Like the big 10 has, you're not walking in to some God awful situation. Okay. You have people that know what they're doing. Okay. You have people who have made these difficult decisions before, So use them, use the resources. I just don't think he, I personally think Warren just doesn't think he's been there long enough to tell everybody. Like, I don't think he put his foot down enough. You know, after a while, you got to get on a conference call with everybody and say, we're going to do either this or this people aren't going to dissent. All right. We're going to follow the 60% byline rule. And if nine universities say yes, and the other five say no, then the other five can go cry about it at night, suit up. We're playing football. That's how this works, okay? That's how democracy works. You don't get to go cry in the corner and throw a fit if who you want to win doesn't win. That, that's the bottom line. That's the bottom line.
2: Okay. I, I, I agree with the sentiment, but we got to move on a little bit. I, I, one quick thing before we move on to talk about Michigan State football, which this podcast is about. They're, the schedule, I, I think most people who are listening already know, but if they don't, you're playing eight games in a row. A ninth against a West opponent. So all the East teams, you Michigan say plays all the East Teams, I'm correct, right? Yes. Yes. And they could be playing Northwestern well,
0: Iowa. Right? Northwestern Iowa and Minnesota were their original three crossover games, and they're going to keep two out of those three in the in the first eight. We don't know which two okay. yet. Okay. Um but Um, and it's likely, and so they also said that the championship, championship Saturday, December 19th, which is when the big 10 championship game is scheduled for outside of the two division winners, they're going to try to match up the, you know, the standings as far as the West and the East go, but they're going to, if they can avoid rematches,
2: which is cool.
0: Yes. So like if Michigan state has is finishes fourth in the East, which is highly likely, um, and they've played they've played northwestern and minnesota and somehow iowa finishes fourth or or northwestern finishes fourth in the west but michigan state's already played them and iowa has finished third it's likely that michigan state will probably play iowa instead of northwestern just to avoid just to avoid a rematch which i think is a really good idea
2: yeah fantastic Um, I, I, i i the one thing that everyone's kind of concerned about is like eight games in a row, but the whole thing is they got everyday testing. So they're confident they can do this. I didn't, I I didn't mean to cut you off. Were you meaning to say something, Eric?
0: No, just the fact that, you know, eight, eight weeks in a row is a lot. And I mean, they've got, they've been working out. They had a few days of camp before the thing got shut down the first time. And it's five weeks basically until, until the season goes. And, you know, Paul Chris from Wisconsin said last week, before when this was still in the very early beginnings of, of happening this plan, Paul Chris said he needs three weeks to have his team game ready. And now he has five. And now Wisconsin does have a worse breakout of COVID on their campus right now than, than Michigan state or, um, or there's another big 10 school that has a bad break. Ohio state's had bad numbers ever since they've brought their, their students back. But um I believe it's Minnesota is the other school that has a bad breakout, but um, so, I mean, these guys now granted Paul Christ is, and his staff have been there for a hell of a lot longer than Mel Tucker has. Yep. So Paul Chris can probably get a team ready to play a lot quicker than Mel Tucker can at this point. But you know, it is what it is. And I'm sure that Mel and the staff are glad to be able to actually put a team on the field this, this fall in their first year. I mean, imagine imagine what they're just be weird yeah I mean like I can't even imagine what it would be like for them to not be able to put a team on the field after getting hired in February and recruiting and not being able to actually play it's just kind of a wild thought
1: I think the thing that worries a lot of people though is when the original schedule came out I think it was on August eighth, and they postponed on the eleventh. You had those built-in bye weeks, so if you yeah. had a team that tested positive for COVID, you had a little bit of schedule flexibility. Now the bye weeks are gone, and there are going to be games that are canceled. So that really screws up your standings. That that's the biggest problem. There is going to be an outbreak. Bill Beekman said today there will be an outbreak somewhere, and games are going to be canceled. That is an inevitability. Yeah, like right now, Wisconsin's not even practicing in any of its athletic events because they have COVID cases through the roof. Maryland's been really bad. A lot of these universities. Maryland,
0: that was the other one.
1: Have yeah. just started to be able to really kind of ramp things up. And it's kind of been a stop-start thing all summer. So my question now is, you're not really going to be able to make up these games. if well, yeah. Michigan State and Northwestern, let's say they go week four. They, where are you going to put that? Are you, I mean, because that screws up your plan of the East-West crossover week nine. that's the part that worries me a lot. Well, nothing's going to be normal. And and I
2: think everyone's just kind of got to accept that. And I'm really interested. Just the basis of this and the whole like fit it in in nine weeks is to have a team eligible for the college football playoff. That is the whole idea, which I believe is basically, let's have Ohio State ready for the college football playoff because that's your main breadwinner. And they got a team that is stacked this year. You've already seen guys who opted out. Starting to opt back in for the Buckeyes and a couple other schools, Michigan State. I think Marcel Lewis, a linebacker for them, opted back in. But I, I just you just got to accept it. it's not going to be normal, and I'm. It's going to be all eye tests this year.
0: If why really, they said it, that the committee has flat out said that. Well, Gene Smith, who's the athletic director of Ohio State, who's not on the committee anymore but was formerly on the committee, said that. Um, it's going to be more eye tests than ever before, obviously. It I mean, has to be. The SEC doesn't play until not this weekend but the next. The ACC, I Started mean, it's just last Clemson. Week. It's just yeah. Clemson. I mean, yeah. we all, we've known that from the beginning. Um, and the Big 12 is Texas or Oklahoma, probably Oklahoma, because Texas – Oh, Oklahoma know, State's them. not bad.
2: But so I know what State you're saying. A I get, I get your, they're a factor. I get your sentiment, though. Like, they're really, like, I do think they're just going to take the winner from each conference. But, like Stern says, if a 7-0, like, say Ohio State has two games canceled, they're 7-0 and they beat everyone by 30, they're going to the playoff because all the cachet yeah. they have, all the talent they have on that roster. So, I wouldn't really worry about that. But, like you said, there's going to be outbreaks. And you just you got to deal with the breaks yet, And, and – I'm, I i would not be discouraged. I mean, any football is better than no football Just, like I, I'll take anything I can get at this point.
1: I agree with you. I, the only thing, and I think a lot of the reason why a lot of fans and even journalists are a little suspect of the plan is that it's been so it got, it was so hard to get to this point. There was no cohesion up to this point. So anything from here on out, if more measures need to be taken, and other things need to be implemented. How long is that going to take? Yeah. Like, you, you you don't have a track record at all of being able to really spin things out and say, these are the measures that we're going to take. This is going to ensure bowl eligibility. If the games are canceled, we're going to do X, Y, and Z. None of that's been outlined yet. So that's, at least for me, is going to be the most captivating development going forward.
2: Okay. I let, Let's put the Big Ten coming back. Talk to rest and let's get into Spartan football. Like, we already kind of a little touched on it, Mel Tucker in his first year. But the five weeks helped Mel Tucker, the longer offseason helped Mel Tucker. Like, if there was one school in the Big Ten that benefited from this, it was Michigan State.
0: Because other than the fact that they didn't have spring football,
2: yes, that they didn't benefit from that. But at the same time, Tucker, I'm I, I he got enough time with his players if it was Zoom or even when they're in the facility working out, even the two days they had at camp, I think he's gotten a lot of time to get comfortable with the personnel he has. And especially with his coaching staff, there's a couple of familiar faces, a couple new guys. I, I think they've benefited. No one's really benefited from it. You know what I mean? But like if there was one team that had a slight, like there was some like a little glass half full is Michigan state. But I mean, the big question coming into week one, we don't know what the schedule is. They're supposed to play Minnesota week one when the 10-game abbreviated schedule came out, is who's starting at quarterback. And I, I think throughout the offseason, they kind of made it obvious that it looked like Rocky Lombardi had solidified himself as the number one quarterback. And, and I've heard Peyton Thorne's name, Theo Day. And you got other guys in there, Noah Kim, you got Eli McClain. But it, it seems like it's Rocky Lombardi and then Peyton Thorne and Theo Day. And it seems like it's Lombardi's job. It seems like it's Lombardi's job just by the fact that Michigan State has used him in the media and a lot of different things as a figure and as a leader of this team.
0: I agree with you. Oh, sorry. Go go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say I 100% agree with you that it's Rocky Lombardi's job to lose, but I I agree with that. That's the way it is. I just disagree with, I just disagree with that. I don't think Rocky <laughs> Lombardi is a good quarterback. I, I think that you have to invest now in your future. And to me, your future at that position is Peyton Thorne. Um, and I think he, that's what
2: everyone, I, I, that's the sentiment a lot of people who are on the program. It's think. the
0: classic. I know that Mark Antonio is gone, but it's the classic thing. The guy comes in, has a lot of raw talent, needs to get uh, needs to bulk up and get way bigger which he has he's gained like 25 pounds of muscle since or he went from 185 to 215 um and so he's to me he's the most pure quarterback on the team. Rocky Lombardi is like a bull in a china shop at he's the quarterback position. He's a big like, dude. He has no finesse or touch. He's, he has no ability to get away from anybody, especially, and that's important when the offensive line is what it is at this point, a young patchwork group. And I just think that Peyton Thorne, Theo Day has shown, in limited opportunities, has shown no ability to be mentally ready to play football at the Division I, Big Ten level. And I think you gotta, you got to give Peyton Thorne a shot and let, let the – the ship's probably going to sink anyway. You may as well let it sink this season with the guy that you think is going to be your future, especially in a first-year coach of Mel Tucker.
1: If I can interject here. 1st <laughs> <First, laughs> I'm sure you will. <laughs> here's my – Eric, how can you say Theo Day's not men- – what game has he played in other than Penn State? Like you can't say a guy's not mentally ready if he's gotten five career snaps. Yeah, but
0: Antonio has said Martin. Somebody point blank asked Antonio last year why they didn't stick with Day for longer, and he was like, He literally said he's not mentally ready to play. You trust
1: yet? Yes, uh, yes, I do. You trust the guy that was coached by Dave Warner and Brad Salem that he's not mentally ready?
0: Well, somebody had to be mentally ready to play.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I. I know what you're saying, Stearns, with Theo Day. He had limited opportunities. It was kind of weird last year. The one drive he went in for Penn State, he got a first down and then got immediately taken out of the game because I think he called, like, the complete wrong play or ran a play completely wrong. And that's why D'Antonio was saying his mental capability would just – they weren't there yet. He didn't know the playbook good enough for their liking. But I – and we the Dave Warner-Brad Salem thing, like you said – they were not coached well. The offensive scheme was horrible the last two years. I'm interested to see what Jay Johnson, because he's – unlike Scotty Hazleton on the defensive side of the ball, who's proven himself to be a renowned defensive coordinator, Jay Johnson hasn't really proved himself to be a renowned offensive coordinator. Like, they, they, I know I, I, – I've heard I good agree. things. I've heard good things, but it's not like you're getting a guy like – Joe Brady last year. Like it's it doesn't matter who he's got on the roster. They're gonna put up 35. You know what I mean it's not it's not like Chip. Chip Kelly's not coming in. It's not a special offensive mind. I'm interested to see what Jay Johnson does with the offense. And I do think they're gonna start with Rocky Lombardi. The one thing I think Lombardi has over the other quarterbacks is he's a big dude and he's an athlete. Like you could use him in the run game like a pot like a Tebow type of situation. I don't think they ever would do it. If you looked at what Colorado did in their offense last year, they had some really interested formations. They're trying to get they had a really good wide receiver. I forgot his name, Chennault. I don't know if his first name he plays on
1: yeah.
2: plays on Jacksonville, I think, but I they're gonna need to be able to run the football this year to give anyone who starts behind center a chance because I, I, the capabilities I think Peyton Thorne is the most capable to run the offense in the future. And I get exactly what you're saying, Bob, but I just, I college football head coaches are mostly conservative people. I think in the world, <laughs> they're like we'll take, well, we're going to give this guy a shot because he's, he's been a good teammate, like whatever. Everyone on the team likes him and, and he has the physical tools. He might stink, but Hey, we'll give him a shot. I don't think we see Peyton Thorne until like maybe week six or something like that, but you will see him this year. I kind this is might be me like having too long of an off season. I kind of think Rocky Lombardi can be productive. A, I don't. A, I you have don't zero faith. You have zero faith. Agreed. Zero. Agreed. I think you give him the right scheme where it is run first with the quarterback and the running back. Rocky Lombardi can work because he's not a natural thrower. He's not accurate.
0: That's just not him. No. Every time he came into the game last year it was a train wreck of passing. <laughs> it was. It was I mean, there's no I, I, I'm you know me, I'm ten No, be a I know, you're blocked. You should be. Yeah. But man. Christ. He was he
2: wasn't good last year. He wasn't. No. No it, quarterback was good last year, honestly.
0: I mean, it was when you watched Brian Lewerke play, at least you knew you were watching a quarterback. He yes. might not have he might not have made a a lot of accurate throws and he was always under pressure and always running for his life. But when you, when you watch Brian Lord, you go, that guy's a quarterback. When you watch Brian, Rocky Lombardi, you go, that dude is a big tight end that they just handed the ball and he's just chucking it to the other team. <laughs> I mean, that, no, that honestly, I always say
2: this Rocky Lombardi, if you just like switch his position to tight end could be a pro that guy is massive.
0: I think, is, I think Rocky huge. Lombardi I don't think Rocky Lombardi is a bad football player. I just don't yeah. think he's a very good quarterback. And I hope, I hope that they, they use either Theo day or Peyton Thorne at quarterback and find a place for Rocky Lombardi, because I think there is a place for him, but it's just not at quarterback in my mind.
2: Well, we're going to see him at quarterback. So yeah. I know uh, we are. We're, and we're, we're going to talk about, it, probably. about <laughs> it. I'm
0: already mad about it. But Hey, I'd rather be mad about that than mad about not seeing anything at all. Yes, so <laughs> yes. I'd rather be. I'd rather watch Rocky Lombardi stink it up than have to sit on my couch and watch Wake Forest every Saturday.
2: I'll say this though, and moving on to the rest of the offense, I think their weapons this year on the outside and in the backfield are good. Like, I, I, so what's I,
0: what's the surest thing you have on this on this offense?
2: You like what's Collins. the?
0: Yes. So if they need to build this offense around using him so that means the offensive line obviously we know that the key to any success is an offense is a successful offensive line but elijah collins needs to get 25 plus touches a game i mean and a quarterback's best friend is a good running game we know this and a young quarter that's why connor cook in the beginning of his tenure was able to kind of come into his own because he had such a strong running game with jeremy langford and that really solid offensive line and he was able to they were able to be patient enough with him to be run first pass second eventually it became pass first run second I just think whoever ends up playing quarterback as you're right Collins it's going to be Rocky Lombardi but he needs so much run support and I don't know Elijah Collins is really good but I don't know if he has the line to block for him to be as good as he could be
2: well I- I'll let Stearns jump in here, but Anthony Williams Jr. At, came on really nice at the end of the year, too. I think he could be a nice piece. You got Jaden Reed, the Western Michigan transfer, who everyone raves about saying he's probably the best athlete maybe on the team who's coming in at wide receiver this year. Jalen Naylor played, what, three games last year? He And he's arguably your best athlete
1: on this roster. So I do think
2: there's pieces.
1: Well, you can't forget about LaRess Nelson, either. He factors into that equation. Trey Mosley factors into that equation. Yes, Trey Mosley was good, really good at the end of the year. I'm not, honestly, as worried about the offensive line as everybody else is. I'm not. because I if agree. One turns, thing, I completely agree with you. Go ahead. If there's one thing that Michigan State got a lot last year, it was experience on the line. I think they had 11 or 12 different starters. you got to be able to find five. There has to be five, whether it's – whether you're running out Matt Allen at center, Blake Buter at center, Deplaine, Samick, Devontae saw playing time, at least for me, I can't see how they would be any worse than last year. And I'm not, I'm not saying that to be a pessimist. I know I've kind of built a reputation is that. But there was, there was a fundamental problem of getting pushed into the backfield. Okay? And you have so much experience. You have so much young talent. This, that's the one, especially in offense. During a pandemic, okay, they have guys who know the college football game. Yes, you have a new coach. Yes, you have this entire new offensive system, but these guys are professionals and they've done it before. And that's the big thing for me. I trust that you'll look Kaplovich what he did at North Carolina and what he did at Colorado was really impressive. And Jay Johnson, to go back to you guys' earlier point, and I wanted to bring this up, he was pretty good. When he was the OC at Louisiana with the Raging Cajuns. Now they weren't good, <laughs> but they it was six and seven oh every. They were going uh, six seven wins every year. And are you
2: are you watching games. Louisiana game tape? Are you really telling me uh, to get that all They I, just I,
1: beat they just beat Kansas State, man. I'm just saying, you know as well as I do, they were always playing in one of those the Armed Forces Bowl or yes. the New Orleans Bowl or something <laughs> in mid November, but or in mid December. But they were always winning six seven eight games. This guy did a lot. Um, it. It Minnesota. So I'd like him. I really do. I think Jay Johnson was a good hire. You brought in a guy who gets it. And I don't know Collins. I don't watch film, but what I do do occasionally is there's those little like micked up features where the coach will wear the mic during mic'd up. You mean? Yes. Micked up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. It's like the like
0: McDonald's up. version of yeah. mic'd up. There's a video
1: <laughs> of him coaching the quarterbacks at Minnesota and then the Michigan state football official Twitter account posted and talking to the quarterbacks for like two minutes. And you can tell really quickly if a coach knows what they're talking about or if they don't, if you know a degree about football. And Johnson gets it. Johnson is a guy that's going to stress technique that's going to – and I hope to God Theo Day breaks the lineup. I really do. There's a reason he was a four-star out of high school, because he was an absolute monster at Divine Child. Okay, he was one of the higher-rated recruits that Michigan State's gotten in a long time. And I don't think he's ever really gotten a fair shot. I'm curious to see what he does with half-decent coaching. And that's not – I'm trying, you know, not trying to lambaste Warner and Salem too much. It's a new era. But I'm curious to see what he does with a, an experienced offensive mind, an offensive mind who's been around a lot of different quarterbacks and who knows how to get the best out of them. But I'm not worried about the – I'm worried about the defense. The offense I'm not worried about.
2: Defensive line is the biggest question for this Michigan State team. and. You, you just lose a lot of guys and a lot of guys who have started a lot of football games. Raekwon Williams, Ponashuk, is did did Jacob Ponashuk? Did he opt back in? Opted out. He opted out. No, I, not that I've heard. I of. don't
0: think he's opted back in. No. Okay, so he might he, still though. I mean, it's five weeks away.
2: Yeah. So he, I, I don't know what he exactly is doing, but you lose a lot of guys who started a lot of games. And you play in the big time, you play some legit offensive linemen. I think Michigan State's going to have a hard time stopping the run. Even though you got Antoine Simmons, who's probably the best football player on this team and middle linebacker. No doubt. It's it's still pretty hard to ask that much out of a middle linebacker and a back four or seven to make plays in the run game if you don't have guys in the trenches who can fill holes.
1: Well, the defensive line, you're absolutely right, is thin. You're probably looking at Jacob Slade, Naquan Jones on the inside, Drew Beasley, and then God knows who else. We were projecting Panaschuk to start and end the entire year, and then he gets hurt, or he opts out. The problem, at least under the previous regime, was that Michigan State and a lot of college programs like to rotate guys. Okay, you normally go too deep on the defensive line, especially on the inside. And Naquan Jones and Slade, Did play a lot. They were obviously behind Mike Panaschuk and Raekwon on the inside all of last year. But didn't stand out. I mean, they're not bad football players. They were decent. Beasley was okay. The problem is it's just you look at the roster, especially on that defensive line, and those three guys, you don't immediately say, oh, they're awful, but you don't immediately look at them and say, oh, they're great either. They're just there. I mean, there what Naquan and uh, Slade and Beasley didn't really make like a huge impression for me last year. Like they weren't bad. Like don't don't get me wrong. It's not they weren't getting blown off the ball every time. But you still have teams getting three four yards against you. There was a clear drop off as you would expect from Panashuk and Rayquan, and then you obviously you go down to Slade and Naquan Jones. But obviously. Having Ron Burton back, love Ron Burton. I think he's a phenomenal coach. I'm really happy that Mel Tucker decided to keep him. I think that having Ron Burton around is going to be huge. And I know everybody's worried about the linebacking core, about the secondary, even though you do have Xavier Henderson. Shakir Brown needs to live up to his four-star rating this year. The coaches that they brought in are second to none. Harlan Barnett, Mike Tressel, who you keep. Scotty Hazelton, Ross Ells; these guys get it. Bennett powered five schools, obviously Kansas State in a monster defense under Hazelton, Tressel, and uh, Harlan Barnett. Go back to the glory days of Michigan State football when you're going to the Cotton Bowl and the Rose Bowl in 2014 and 2015. So they, I, I have a lot of faith. Like I, I, I think especially on the defensive end you're going to get a lot more than what you think you do because their coaching staff, at least on the defensive side of the ball, for me is one of the top three in the big 10. They're that good. Like their coaching staff is phenomenal. And that's not getting enough. That's not getting talked about enough.
2: I, I mean, they paid them enough. So like, it, it, it's, de- it's definitely been an investment by Michigan state's athletic department, but it's just depth. They don't have depth on the interior defensive line or the exterior defensive line. Like, and not not saying they're not talented or anything. They just don't want to get a lot of guys who've played a lot. Like, because Raekwon and Mike Panaschuk are taking up literally every snap, basically, on the interior of that defensive line. Also, I mean, the secondary wasn't good last year. It wasn't. And I, I know a lot of those guys return – but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be good. Like, like, just because they get another year doesn't mean they're going to become better football players. So I, I think that's a big question mark, too. I think Xavier Henderson is the one guy in that secondary where you could be like, I, I think he just needed to play a year, and then he'll figure it out because he has all the athletic tools. But everyone else in that secondary, I don't know. Kalon Durvin, Shakir Brown, there's a lot of question marks in, at, at the cornerback position.
0: There's potential but there's nothing Xavier Henderson is the one that's shown the most like actual pro, actual tangible promise. For with those two that you mentioned, Gervin and Brown. It's you know that maybe there's potential there, but they just haven't really shown it yet in the game. And hopefully that this Harlan Barnett this new defensive coaching staff can really can really bring the very most out of those guys because they – Michigan State's defense desperately needs those two guys to be productive in that back end because if they're not, Michigan State's going to be in, in big trouble once again in the secondary.
1: Well, you need Trey Person and Dominique Long to step up too. Those are two. Those two, Yes.
0: Yes. Those two
2: because – Dom Long might be the best athlete on that defense, but uh, he just – He's another guy who you haven't really seen put it together on the field.
1: And how much of that, though, do you attribute to coaching versus how much of that do you attribute to, like, I don't want to say lack of ability, but just not being able to put it all together? Like, I'm curious to see what these guys do with a new staff. A lot of times, a fresh start's all it takes for these guys to really sort of get going. And there's a lot of athletic ability, as Eric said. There's a lot of potential for success Especially on the back end. Kalan Gervin, Shakir Brown were highly rated recruits. Trey Person, these guys have all the tangible things. And that's the one good thing, okay? You're not trotting out a bunch of guys who have been bad for the last three years. You might get pulled down the back. They were bad last year. They were bad last year, Stearns. But they were in and out. Like, Brown was in and out, okay? Yes, I would agree. Dominique Long was kind of Dominique
2: Long didn't really get a lot of playing time.
1: This is the first time. What I mean is this is the first time you are consistently starting. It's different between consistently starting. You know, your number is going to be called on the first play, of a defensive series versus rotating in and out, rotating in and out, okay? There's more of a consistency. So I'm curious to see once these guys – this is, like, the first, like, consistent opportunity that they got. Let me rephrase that. You might get whooped, but the potential's there, okay? It's not like you're trotting out, you know, the same three starters for the last three years who grayed out terribly week after week after week after week. I mean, that's what makes me optimistic is you don't know what you're going to see. And that's a good thing.
2: Yeah, and I think that's the most exciting part about this Michigan State season because the last three or four years it's just been exhausting. You were just hoping Mark was gonna hit the magic wand and turn it back on, and it's it was gonna be like the old days, and it just wasn't the last three years, and and it wasn't the standard that Mark D'Antonio built to. So they had to move on, and now it's exciting with Mel Tucker. It's interesting. You don't really know what's going to happen. And the expectations, I don't know where the expectations are. Do you guys have any expectations for this team? I can't even set, like, a win total
0: for an eight-game season. It's for this impossible. Team. It's impossible to even for me to even predict. Well, of course, you have to see the schedule first for me to, like, really break down an actual win-loss of what I think it could look like. But you're right, Collins. Even before that, it's it's impossible to even know because of all the things. You don't know what has been installed, What what even is – the real plan for Mel Tucker. I mean, he's given us some real cliche stuff about how we're going to be balanced. We're going to play fast. We're going to hit hard, you know, <laughs> relentless.
2: relentless football.
0: Yeah. I mean, he said all those things, but as far as true X's and O's go, it's, it's been nothing yet and it's, you know, hopefully they've used these last six months to come up with a way to use the personnel they have to the best of their ability. But we don't know what that's going to look like yet. And until we do, it's really hard to gauge how this how this season's going to look.
1: The one thing with Mel Tucker that you don't need to worry about is X's, X's and O's. You don't get to be a defensive coordinator at a couple different teams. You don't get to be an interim head coach. You don't get to be the head coach at Colorado, the D.C. at Alabama, the D.C. at Georgia by dumb luck. Okay, what Nick Saban says, you are a phenomenal coach. You're a phenomenal coach. There's not a lot of people that Nick Saban, like, genuinely has those – redeeming words for i'm not worried about that at all if we're talking about i need to see I'm, I'm with eric on this you obviously have to see who they get out of the west okay if they end up with minnesota or Iowa or wisconsin it's going to be a train well
0: they're going to end know, up with i with minnesota or iowa at least one of those two most likely both which they're
1: not going to win which they're not going to win northwestern went three and nine last year okay northwestern illinois purdue those are teams i could see them beating I could so, so 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 give me a win loss total. We might as well do this. I know it's a really long way to season. Four yeah, and four. I, I, yeah, I'm not. I'm not with people saying they're going to be last in the Big Ten. They'll be better than Rutgers. Rutgers they will be better than Maryland. Maryland, Northwest, Maryland Northwestern. And Northwestern, and then
0: steal one from from either Minnesota, Iowa, Penn State, or Michigan. One of those four.
1: I mean, if you can go 500 during this year, especially with the recruiting with the recruiting class that you're bringing in next year, that's a huge success. Like, I don't think this team is as bad as everybody thinks it is. Like, I would agree with that. There's every, no, yes, and I did the first, the last two years, three years haven't been what you expected. And my whole thing always was, you've shown you can go to the Rose Bowl and win. You've shown you can go to the Cotton Bowl. So once you show your best, and you don't offer your best. People get frustrated because you've proven that you can go above and beyond your current capabilities. But this, other than the three and nine season a couple of years back, you're not winning two games every year. You're going six and six. You're going seven and six. So it's not like this program is Rutgers bad, is Maryland bad, is Purdue bad. You know with the you just, know but before kind of Illinois in
0: Big Ten purgatory. At the exactly. Moment. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So yeah, I man. don't. I think they would have to drop a long way for them to be. Rutgers bad or Mike Loxley, Maryland bad, flat out.
2: Okay. They would have
1: to fall off a cliff because those two teams are not good. At I them.
2: I I think you could see Maryland turn a little corner this year, not be – I think they could be competitive this year for the majority of the season because they, they've brought in some pieces that Mike Loxley's been able to bring in. I, didn't they bring Tua's brother? He he transferred yeah. to Maryland. Um, I, I don't know how good he really is, but I'm just saying – like the, I mean, they have some sort of buzz going for them. Um, I completely agree with you, Stearns. I think the expectation for this season is to go 500. And I think that was still that expectation when you had a 12-game season when you are playing Miami and BYU, which would have been a brutal schedule if you look Oof. at it right now.
1: Yeah, because
2: because BYU is really good. Miami's pretty solid. I mean, it, it, it would have been hard to imagine Michigan State getting to bowl eligibility this year if they played 12 games. But if you're just playing a bit Ten schedule, you know these teams very well. You can scout them very well. I think 4-4, four and 4-4 four, and four and four is not crazy to think about. No. I, 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 I think it's probably the ceiling, but I also agree with you, Stearns. This team's talent is not horrible. When The, the offensive steam was so bad the past couple of years, and I get that's talent. I get that the offensive line talent is not what it was. It just flat out wasn't because, regardless of scheme, they didn't be in the trenches every single game last year. Almost, and yeah, Like when you have Utah State a couple of years ago, don't toe to toe with you in the trenches, that's a problem. That,
1: or Tulsa, yeah, yeah, Plus, that,
2: yeah, that's a problem. It really is. So, I, if the offense shows any signs of life, I, it just brings everything around it up. Like I, it, it's just so deflating. Well, and I think after the Ohio State team, after Ohio State game last year, Michigan State basically gave up. I I truly believe that because that defense after was not after
0: Wisconsin this, game.
2: No, I I think they had already given up by Wisconsin. I truly believe that because I,
0: they played they played really well in the first half against Ohio State. Really well. Just,
1: They're all going scores. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, but it was just. Turnovers it could have been so much worse, and it, yeah. they 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 physically and like emotionally like hung right with Ohio State for one half under the, in prime time and at the horseshoe last year. Yes, and then and the second the fourth quarter the wheels fell off, and then the Wisconsin game. I don't know three to nothing speaks yeah. for itself. I mean,
2: and then you get, blow, you get your head blown off
1: at the Big House last year. So I, and then I, you let
0: Illinois come back on you at home.
1: Yeah, say I mean, that was a dreary game. Collins, I remember you and me were on the call for that. That was just an ugly game, cold and rainy. And yeah, you know, yeah. Was disgusting. And then last game of the year, you you beat Maryland nineteen to sixteen. No and brutal. then Mark Antonio calls that a program win. You know, just <laughs> to go six and six to go to the pinstripe bowl.
2: I'm gonna miss Mark, man. I'm gonna miss him because he's a, he was the king of the cliches. He and was. if you're if you're a
0: fan, you love that. And then <laughs> honestly played pretty well in the pinstripe bowl, all yes. things considered.
1: They did, yes. but they should have won by more.
0: They well,
1: I mean – fumbles and the turnovers, they could have put 40 on Wake. Yeah, but they, they played better. So, they do uh, no, They showed a lot more potential on the offensive end. Trent Gillison yes. looked like a monster that
2: game. Yes. Okay, let's move on. A little bit Ten talk. But, I mean, the next couple of weeks, I, I don't know if we're going to record next week since there's probably be nothing to talk about in the Big Ten. But we might record in, like, two times or three times before the Big Ten really gets started up. So we'll have more deep dives into this Michigan State roster and maybe a couple fun segment ideas we could do to make it a little bit better and more interesting to talk about. Because right now we're just at, like, ground-level stuff talking about this roster because there's a lot to get through. But once they – until they strap up the pads, it's kind of hard for us to get deep and, like, go, like, hey, whoa, what – is Nick Samet the best center on this roster? Like, I we truly don't know right now. <laughs> so, I, I, let's just move in some, a little bit of Big Ten talk, a little roster news. Dylan McCaffrey leaving Michigan. That, that was bizarre, Bizarre. Bizarre.
1: Huge, yeah. Because and he was the best quarterback on their roster for two years.
2: I know. Guys, I,
1: and,
0: you know, I, I don't blame him for being pissed. Because Harbaugh uh, keeps rolling Shea Patterson out there to be fed to the Lions against Ohio State. And McCaffrey is a, is a real player. And I just think that that was, a, that was a gaffe by Harbaugh to let him walk.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's more that they're going to start Milton. I think that's probably what it was. He so probably told him, like, hey, Milton's getting the nod, which I don't know because I think Dylan McCaffrey in the times he played – Proof yes. That he
0: can, he can Game a, action, McCaffrey's been much better than Milton. I, yes. I mean, we don't see what happens in practice, but in games, every time I see Milton throw the ball, he overthrows a guy by 15 yards.
2: Yes, and I think the most interesting thing about this is McCaffrey was one of the leading voices in that like rally two weeks ago. So something yeah. must have happened in between then and now because he was a big advocate for the Big Ten playing, and – it must have, I mean, the run must have been swept under him, considering that Milton's probably be the starter. And if you live in the state of Michigan, you've heard about Joe Milton the last four years. Yeah. Because sure. that's, what, that's what Michigan fans do. They hype up these guys, <laughs> they build them up to be the net savior, and they, and they do it with every guy. But, I mean, he has all the physical tools, as what I've heard. But I, I'm very interested to see what Joe Milton does because I was under the assumption McCaffrey was going to start. I thought Milton was all hype from the Michigan fan base. I was under the assumption McCaffrey would have a couple, like two good years and be a pro prospect because he has all the physical tools. And so, yeah. and, and with hardball coaching him, see what you want about hardball. He develops quarterbacks very well. He does. Shea Patterson has, might be a exception. He
0: has he, though? His Strong best quarterback. At Michigan was an inherited transfer from Iowa, so Jake maybe Rudolph. Kirk. Ferens, he should he should give Kirk Ferentz the credit for developing oh, okay. his Dude, Jake
2: Rudock sucked at Iowa. He was he was not good at Iowa. They so went nine saying, and
0: three. They yeah, went
2: nine. Well, well, Iowa, Iowa always goes nine and three when they play in the Big Ten West and they're playing Cupcake City in Mar in uh, Purdue and Illinois every year. They when the they were terrible
1: when Rudock was starting for them is last year. I it's the know. only bowl game Harbaugh's won was with Rudock.
0: And I'm not trying to be, like, bash on Michigan here because I think Dylan McCaffrey is a really good football player. I do too. The way I'm right there with you, Collins, I just assumed that once Patterson was gone that McCaffrey was going to be the guy. Like, based on on in-game performance, McCaffrey has done well when he's played. And Milton hasn't. Week
2: one, two years ago, Michigan goes at Notre Dame. I think Patterson gets hurt. McCaffrey yeah. comes in, looks really and good. The
0: offense was re- revitalized. It was like you were watching a different team.
2: Looked and then really he brings good.
0: Patterson backs Patterson back in and allows Brandon Wimbush to beat him. I mean, that – it's just mind-boggling.
2: It, it's it's just really interesting. I mean, who knows? Maybe this Milton Tid is the truth. Like, he just shows up and he's really, really good. Maybe. But it, it is – I mean – McCaffrey seemed like a guy who could be a pretty solid Big Ten quarterback. So that was really interesting. And the one last thing I want to talk about the Big Ten before we move on to the pick I mean, Ohio State just head and shoulders more talented than probably everyone in the conference with the exception of Penn State. Like, unless – I find it hard to believe they're going to lose to anyone on their schedule unless it's Penn State. Because Penn State – Go ahead, go ahead, Eric.
0: I was just going to say the upper tier of the Big Ten is Ohio State, Penn State, and Wisconsin. Eh, do you, maybe without Wisconsin, with, Wisconsin without belongs Jonathan Taylor, there, man.
2: Without Jonathan dude, Taylor. Dude,
0: they do. when has Wisconsin not rolled out some new running back behind that offensive line? I mean, some of the t- – Jonathan Taylor is a great player, was a great college player, will be a successful NFL player. But sometimes Stearns and I would be able to run through some of the holes – that that you see that Wisconsin offensive line have, I mean seriously,
1: yeah. They're such a smash mouth backyard kind of. They're like a better Iowa. That's the problem with Wisconsin is you know exactly what they're gonna do, but they you can't stop them. They do the same thing every time. You'll end up either running that guard trap to kick out the linebacker, or you just run the pout. You run the power game where you pull the guard, you pull the tackle, and they do it. So well, because they pro- There are a lot of high school teams that do that. When I played for Celine, that's how we lost to Canton, was because <laughs> they ran a glorified <laughs> wing team. And they the the, the, the the offensive linemen who were my size were five, six, and 200 would either cut block you and they would get so low, they knock everybody to the ground. They just pummel you into submission. And the one thing, if I can go back really quick about Michigan, Milton, this is his one year. Because JJ McCarthy, who's coming in next year, is an oh absolute god. stock. Okay, here we are, go. Are,
2: are. Are you? I know you're from the Ann Arbor area. Don't I? I, I know quarantine's been long. Have they brainwashed <laughs> you? I'm not I the kids.
1: So. the kids. Look at the kids. Two four seven. No. Oh I mean, my no, god. Do course. you look
2: at McCaffrey's? <laughs> Do you look at Milton's. It's everyone. Stearns.
0: It's every one of these Stearns, guys are like Stearns, this. Have you learned nothing? All these dudes are studs that they get, and then they show up in Ann Arbor, and God knows what happens to them. Yes. There's something in the water there.
1: We'll see. I like I, McCarthy. I really do. I don't know what maybe, Harbaugh's going to do to him. Maybe Harbaugh gets canned if they stink again this year. Probably not. No. Probably. no, Pro- Probably not, but either way, if Milton struggles this year, <laughs> there are going to be a lot of people calling for McCarthy to start next year. Okay. We can't. Is, uh-huh. Milton a, is Milton Can. a sophomore? I
0: don't know. I think his eligibility
1: might be, might be a junior. took a redshirt year, I thought.
2: I thought so, too. So, I think he's a sophomore. So, a sophomore. I don't know. But I, I, I think we're pretty unanimous about this Ohio State. He's a junior. Either. Oh, he's a junior? That's what I thought. Yeah, he's a junior. So, I mean, who knows? I mean, that McCarthy kid might start a sophomore year. So, I, I mean, I'm tired of talking Michigan football quarterbacks. I, it's, it's really unbelievable this happens every, sure. like, three years. It's it's unlike anything I've ever seen. If you grow up in, like, the state of Michigan, you, you've you heard this story. Yes. Forever. Before we, we even were born. they yeah. Their savior, Tom Brady. Oh, this Drew Hudson guy is better. Drew than Henson. It <laughs> before we even were born and, like, knew what was going on, they've been doing this. So, I, I don't get it. Like, I, I don't get it. I think McCaffrey was a good piece. I. It's just really interesting that he's leaving. On the terms that he's leaving, I I have to imagine there's some sort of bad blood. Because two weeks ago, it seemed like everything was good, like good to go. So I don't know, I don't know. But let's that, move on to the deaf taxes. taxes. Michigan quarterbacks being overhyped, It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's unbelievable. When Shea Patterson was doing the Heisman hype before senior oh, year, God. I was like, I, I mean, I, <laughs> it's a, I'm like, it's unbelievable. Whatever. Well, I, I know we sound like whor- homers says we're all Michigan State students, but I'm just telling you, what I'm being it's, honest. It's I, and, and, and,
1: and and I'm honestly, sure Dylan McCaffrey mo- was the best chance to break yes. that Look at the guy's bloodline. That's all you need. Look at his bloodline. That's all you yeah, need.
2: Whatever. Let's move on to the pick It feels good to be back in the pick Who won last yes. year? Joe Dandron, I believe, won. the Yeah, person by who one came... game. And guess what? To, this week we're following the Joe Dandron model. We're very mm. ill prepared for this, That's
0: so right.
2: so we're just making picks off the cuff. So we might mm-hmm. all have a very good week. So That's right. let's get into it. First game, Baylor. They scheduled this game a
0: week out. A week yeah. out, <laughs> Baylor. It was Houston had. To, who were they playing that couldn't play? I do not of, know because of COVID something.
2: Maybe Memphis.
0: Yeah, no, that was it. Okay, Memphis. Memphis. Where did by you the way, pull that from.
2: Because Memphis, the uh, <laughs> Memphis took a their whole team after they won their first game, got on a party bus and they all got COVID. Oh, so, wow. yeah. good for You go. hey, Got to celebrate down in Memphis after a win, I guess. But uh, yeah, Baylor Lane four and a half at home. Houston comes to town. I love it. I love Interstate Texas rivalry. I, I, I like. I love when all these old Southwest Conference teams play. It's noon on Fox. I. I I don't know who Baylor really returns from that Big, 10 champ, Big 12 championship title team. They didn't win last year, but they were able to get there, and they're talented. They lose Matt Rule, new coach in there. I'm going to go with Houston. I like Dana Holderson. I don't know anyone on anyone that's roster, so I'm going with the coach I like. And I don't even know who Baylor's
1: coach is, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to go um, Baylor, Dave Aranda. Yeah, no, there's nobody. Houston went 4-8 last year in the American. And, and there's a reason why Dana Holgerson got canned from West Virginia. Give me yeah, Baylor. Didn't get candy left. Close enough. Same thing. <laughs> okay. Same, Same thing. thing. <laughs> he was he was booted out the door and asked nicely to leave to save face. Okay, so now give me Baylor. Houston four and eight. Okay.
0: <laughs> Bach. Um. Give me Baylor. I just, Okay. Houston. I mean, after you go from going to play somebody else, have to pivot and go to go to Baylor it's not an ideal situation Baylor's been sitting around I just think that Baylor's gonna win by probably at least a touchdown or more
2: okay next game on the card with the weird 230 kick on NBC number seven Notre Dame hosts South Florida Lane 25 in South Bend they got the students all there they kind of got some sort of atmosphere
0: yeah um, I'll go first give me Notre Dame. Notre Dame was sloppy, yeah, against Duke, but the, you could tell that the foundation was there for them to be good. Like it, the weather was bad. Ian Book really couldn't throw the ball down the field because of the weather, and um, they have a really good young running back too that um, that really impressed me. But um, I just think South Florida's not up to it. I mean, they beat the Citadel twenty six to seven. I mean. I don't know. What is shout the Citadel?
2: What is the shout Citadel? Dan Renfro. Yeah. What is the Citadel Dan. not playing South Carolina or like Clemson or Alabama in week 11? The Citadel is the king of the week 11 by, That's true. by game. Yeah, in them SEC. and
0: them and Mercer. Um, <laughs> but shout out Dan Renfro, the intramural director at South Florida. He's a friend of mine. They're going to get pummeled in South Bend. The weather's going to be good Saturday. <laughs> Ian Book's going to throw the ball down the field, and Notre Dame's going to cover 25.
1: Give me Notre Dame. I don't expect them to cover. 25 points is a big, big, big line. I can see this being a game where Notre Dame comes out a little bit sloppy again. It's sometimes hard to get up for these games because you know all you have to do is show up on the field. Are you taking Notre Dame or South Florida? I'm taking Notre Dame to win, but I'm taking South Florida to cover. Okay, so you're okay. taking South Florida. We got
2: to get on it. Yeah, we had this with Dandron last year. We got we just take the line. We don't need to talk about. Don't confuse the me while I'm trying to type out who picked <laughs> who. <laughs> <I'll answer laughs> last year it was for Hunt
1: not to, for not being able to sort through my jargon. You've known me long Last enough. year it oh, was
2: Hunt. <laughs> poor Hunt. Yeah, I know. I now now it's my job. But what? Well, so you're taking South Florida to cover 25? Yes, I am. Uh, this is a big number. Is Charlie Strong still the South Florida coach or no? Someone, believe did, someone, yeah. someone do that. I love Charlie Strong. I don't think they're going to the cover, though, because Notre Dame was – they didn't look good at all against Duke last weekend. Duke, I mean, they have some pieces. They have Chase Bryce there. But other than that, like, they're not a very good football team, and Notre Dame played down to their competition. I think they roll this week. They get back to form. And I'm Charlie at, Strong you
0: know, got fired, by the way. Oh, He's oh. a defensive analyst at Alabama right
2: now. So good for him. That's a, that was probably that's probably a better job than the head coaching job at South Florida. <laughs> that's <Yeah>. honestly true. <laughs> but I'll take Notre Dame to cover the twenty-five. I like. I'm an e-book believer, so I I think he's a good quarterback, and I think people believe he's pedestrian. I think he's a little bit more than that. I think Notre Dame covers twenty-five. Next game on the card, CBS three thirty game. If you ever thought this was going to happen. In your life the CBS 330 game to be Marshall against Appalachian State then yeah you must have been taking Nestler and
0: Nestler and Danielson at in the mountains of App State
2: yes Marshall host App State number 23 Appalachian State and Marshall Thundering her getting five points and guess what I, I want to start it off I like Marshall Moneyline I love Marshall oh, Money Line. They're they got a freshman quarterback. I forgot his name, but I watched their first game in full. This kid's good. He's a really good quarterback. And Appalachian State, as Stern said, he struggled with this. The 49ers of Charlotte, who is Stern's second favorite team, right?
1: Yes, yes. I actually applied there and got accepted there, but I ended up deciding to go to SU. Yes, so I'm I, I'm going with the Thundering Herd, Marshall, especially
2: at home. They got fans there. Like they got like 30 or 40 percent capacity.
1: At, at Marshall. So I, I like Marshall. What's the line five, five, five Marshall's give, in five. Now give me app state to cover. Uh, <laughs> I, that, that, that's no. And I don't even say that because app state's good. It's good every year, even before Drinkwitz ever came in yet. Armani Edwards leading them to FCS or yeah. FCS championships year after year. And then the Panthers draft him with the third round pick and he's gone after a year and a half. That's a story for another day. Give me App State. They normally beat up on teams like Marshall. And five's not a lot. That's the kind of line where you can play lousy for three and a half quarters. You pull out you pull out six minutes, and then you end up winning by ten. I think Marshall's good.
2: I, I don't I, I don't know if they're lousy.
0: I, I'm just going to go App State and keep it short and sweet. There you go. Okay.
2: Next game, ABC 330 catch. Georgia Tech getting seven and a half. As UCF travels to Atlanta, this is a weird game. This seems like a lot of points against a Georgia Tech team who looked pretty good against Florida State. Florida State could be pedestrian, but their quarterback, Sims, is a talented guy. I like Georgia State to cover plus seven and a half.
0: Dude, give me Georgia Tech outright. I think that they – Florida State choked that game away on Saturday in Tallahassee, but Georgia Tech, man – they showed some resolve and they came back. They, they was a pretty miserable first half. I for like Georgia coach. Tech. Yeah. I mean, they're not running the triple option anymore. They look like they're in the twenty-first century playing football now. UCF, ever since they've declared themselves a national champion, every time I get a chance to pick against them, I do. So <laughs> give me Georgia. Give me Georgia Tech.
2: Who uh, Milton is not playing this year, is he? Mackenzie Milton. So. Okay. So I, I, I think Matt isn't there anymore for UCF that lefty freshman that played last year I gotta get all the names back in my head college football has been out of my mind for so long I gotta get back dialed in with all the names in the FBS but that lefty quarterback for UCF he's pretty solid but I, I still like Georgia Tech
1: I'll make it three make it three for three give me Georgia Tech showed a lot of resolve as you guys said against Florida State I know they went three and nine last year they're kind of for the longest time, I've kind of been the ACC's whipping boy. But,
2: yeah, UCF doesn't
1: scare me. Give me the Yellow Jackets.
2: Last game, primetime ABC. Number 18, Louisville, host the Miami Hurricanes. Number 17, lane two and a half. It seems it's a weird line because yeah. you, you feel like Louisville would probably be at maybe minus four and a half, maybe even up to minus five. I wasn't impressed with Miami in their first outing. But they have De'Aaron Kinn, who's a proven quarterback, who can make a lot of plays. I love Louisville in this spot, though, at minus 2.5. I like their quarterback, Cunningham. I like their coach a lot. And where they were with Bob Petrino, and this this was the first guy at App State, right? Rick Stearns? Who? The Louisville head coach. He's the App State coach from two years ago. Yes. yes and I really like that coach. Uh, give me Louisville minus two and a half.
1: Give me Louisville minus two and a half as well. Yeah, no, I got, I got all the faith in the world in the Cardinals, but I don't know how Diaz is still employed. after You'd think that after losing to Ford international last year, they would have canned him, but this his first know. year, wasn't it? Yeah. It doesn't, yeah, matter. I, it <laughs> doesn't <laughs> matter. Give me. It
2: ma- it's his first year. <laughs> That's why I happens. got.
0: I also am going to go Louisville. Um, For the same reasons that Colin said, I was also going to mention that I have zero faith in Manny Diaz to get Miami where they want to be. Never should have gotten rid of Mark Richt. Um, Well, Mark Richt retired. I know, but if they would have thrown enough money at him, he would have stayed. And um, I just think Louisville, game day there, primetime ABC, Fowler and Herbie back on college after their highly successful Monday night endeavor. Dude, um, you could you could
2: stick Matt Shepherd with Herbstreak and he would make it work. Doesn't matter, he's fantastic. Herbstreak <laughs> okay, is so no good. no need
0: for Matt Shepard hate. I'm sorry. F-
2: I've I've, I've oh, watched he's... I've watched so many Tigers games. Oh, me I'm too. sorry. I, I love like Ma- Matt
1: Shepard. Am I the only one that doesn't like? Sh-
2: him? I, don't I don't dislike him. I don't, I don't dislike him. I like how much he. He's just like, there. Tried. He lo- he loves his job, and I I appreciate yes, that.
0: You can tell that, and then the, just, I respect that.
2: And he was awesome when he was the Michigan play-by-play guy on the radio. He was per, he yes. was really good at that. Him and Terry Mills are really good at that. Mm-hmm. Way better than the Michigan State basketball broadcast on the radio, but that's a different subject. Mm-hmm. But um, I, he just doesn't have the cadence for baseball. I, it's just I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but I'm, Herb Streak and Fowler, fantastic, ba- probably the best yeah. duo. In football right now, other than Romo and Nance, so uh, yeah, they're fantastic. Al and
0: Chris are up there too. Can, I
2: love, can, yeah. I am a can, I'm a sucker. Discount. I, I'm a sucker for Collinsworth.
0: <laughs> I love him. Oh, what a, what, bet, a good, what a good SRZ, huh? I know, long one. This was a long, was a long one. one. Well, it's a, it's it's big news day, man. We got yes. a lot to
2: talk about. I we were discussing this like what we we're gonna do because we only got three guys right now. I don't know if we can add another guy because me, between the three of us, we talk enough. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> like, we're, and I, we, and we're very, we got rid of McCray. Yeah. We're, yeah. Sir, we're all three very opinionated people. So I, I think this might be the crew going forward. I don't know if we're going to have a podcast next week. sweet. Probably not. Maybe. Probably
0: not. And it, unless something was, comes up. Yes. Yes.
2: Unless something comes up, but look out for us in the next couple of weeks on our social channels at Twitter Facebook, Instagram, we're on everything. And WDBM Sports posting a lot of good stuff right now. Stern's sports editor, I think. Is that what you're Sports position? editorial
1: assistant, yeah.
2: But yeah, and a lot of stuff coming up. There's a bunch of different podcasts, more writing coming up. And since there's actually Michigan State Sports, it's gonna be a lot more of an exciting semester for us students and the student journalists on campus. So yes. keep following us. And I think we'll you no know we'll shoot to record in a two weeks two weeks we'll, two weeks it. so okay okay maybe maybe we'll maybe, we'll maybe we'll tweet maybe we'll be out...
0: in
2: the studio nah i, I hope <laughs> okay <laughs> i hope but uh maybe we'll tweet out next saturday even if we don't have a podcast our picks a little src graphic for the All right. for the fans at home and so we can keep our win percentages somewhat normal but Brian collins nathan Stearns, eric bach Thank you for listening to Spartan Red Zone. We'll see you guys in a couple weeks. You have
1: been listening to Spartan Red Zone, a production of Impact 89FM. For more Michigan State sports news, visit impact89fm.org.